Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuhu from the podcast team at Qalam. We wanted to wish you a very blessed Ramadan. This month you can expect daily uploads that will include reflections, khatiras and khutbas all from our new campus Alhamdulillah. If you benefit from this content, please give generously at supportqalam.com. 100% of your donations goes towards the means of providing accessible Islamic knowledge to people around the world. Jazakumullah khairan for listening. Bismillahi walhamdulillah wa salatu wa salamu ala rasulillahi wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. Inshallah continuing with our series titled Illuminated, where we look at many of the verses in the Quran that mention the concept of a nur, light and illumination. Today we're going to be looking at the very first ayah, the beginning of Surat Ibrahim, Surah number 14. Now, the surah in and of itself is obviously quite remarkable, but I'm going to take this opportunity here because we're talking about the very first ayah of Surah Ibrahim. It, ha- it features something very unique, something that occurs in the Quran in a number of places, 29 different places it occurs in the Quran. And that is what we refer to as Al-Huruful Muqatta'at, the disjointed letters, right? And so normally, naturally in the Arabic language, whenever letters are written next to one another, you merge them and read them together. You see Alif, Lam, Ha, Mim, Dal written together and you read it, Alhamdu. But there are 29 places in the Quran where you don't read the letters, but rather what you do is you say the names of the letters. And particularly the way the Prophet ﷺ demonstrated it for us, the way he practiced it, was that while saying the names of the letters, he would elongate the names of the letters. Right? Very famously, of course, we've heard, Alif, Lam, Mim. Right? So there are 29 such places in the Qur'an. And there are all kinds of combinations. There are one letter, Qaf, Noon, Saad. There are two letter combinations like Yasin, Hamim, Tasin. And then you have three letter combinations like Alif, Lam, Mim, Tasim, Mim. And then you have four letter combinations Alif, Lam, Mim, Ra. And even five letter combinations like we see in Surah Maryam Kaf, Ha, Ya, Ain, Saad. So you have all these different variations. And there's about 14 letters of the Arabic language that are used in these different combinations in 29 different places spread out throughout the Qur'an. And this is one of those places where in the beginning of Surah Ibrahim, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Alif, Lam, Ra. Now, I wanted to take just a moment to highlight exactly what this signifies and what it means and what it represents. So first and foremost, what does it mean? And the reality of that is, as you know, from the very first generation of Muslims, from the Sahaba radiallahu anhum, till today, everyone has reiterated and reaffirmed the fact that we do not know necessarily what it means. Meaning there's no particular translation of it that we are aware of. We don't have the translation of it. Wallahu ta'ala a'lamu bimuradihi. God knows best what He intended by this expression. Okay, so then 
what does it represent? What does it symbolize? What does it signify? So when we talk about that, there's a few things. First and foremost is that this was a sign of eloquence. That Allah issued a, a challenge within the Quran to the Arabs of that time who were doubting the Prophet ﷺ. They were casting aspersions upon the Prophet ﷺ. They were skeptical of this being a revelation and a message from God. مَا أَنزَلَ الرَّحْمَنُ مِنْ شَيْءٍ إِنْ أَنْتُمْ إِلَا تَكْذِبُونَ They said, God didn't reveal anything. Y'all are just making this up. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala took their language, the most basic form of their language. Think about in our like Muslim culture, a child is what? Three, four years old, saying Alif, Ba, Ta, Tha. A non-Arab, born in a non-Arab society, four-year-old knows these letters. So to the Arabs, this is like beyond basic, beyond simple. It's what children know. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala took that and presented, in this, presented it in this powerful, eloquent, captivating form. That the, very, that the second revelation to the Prophet ﷺ, according to Imam al-Suyuti, ta'ala, as stated in Al-Itqan fi Ulum al-Qur'an, that the second revelation to the Prophet ﷺ was Noon. And when the Prophet ﷺ recited that, Noon, this is what happened. Pitch silence. Everyone got quiet. So that's interesting. I never heard anyone express something like that. And then when you have them hooked like that, they're quiet, they're listening. Then God swore by the pen that wrote the fate of the creation and what the angels continue to write from their deeds. You are not insane like they, like they would like to paint you as. You are not crazy like they claim. By the blessing of your Lord, you, are, you have not lost your mind. You have an endless reward and an opportunity before you. And you have the most remarkable character ever witnessed by humanity. The Prophet ﷺ in the days of Mecca when they're torturing and persecuting Muslims, he stands there in the midst of that society. He says, Yasin. Everyone gets quiet, captivated. Wal Quran al Hakim. This Quran contains more wisdom than you can fathom. You, O Muhammad, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam are indeed a messenger of God. Upon the straight path, Rahim. And this is a revelation from the Almighty and the most merciful. So this is a very powerful. So first and foremost, it represents the eloquence, the power, the majesty, the magnificence of the Quran. Secondly, and this is something really interesting and uh, thought-provoking that the scholars mention, and that is that 
We read these letters in the beginning of these surahs, some of the most well-known surahs to us. Surah Al-Baqarah, Alif Lam Mim, Ali Imran, Alif Lam Mim, Yasin, right? A half a dozen surahs begin with Hamim, Qaf, Saad, Noon, all these remarkable, Taha, all these surahs, Surah Yusuf. And we don't necessarily know what it means. And so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala trains us that whenever you sit in front of the Qur'an, whenever you open the book of Allah, you sit as, a, as an open book, as a blank slate. You sit there and the first thing you acknowledge is, I don't know anything and Allah knows everything. And you admit and you acknowledge your lack of knowledge by saying, Alif Lam Ra. Wallahu ta'ala a'lamu bi muradihi. And Allah knows best what that means. So the very first thing you admit is, I don't know anything. And that's something the Qur'an describes, that anyone, لِقَوْمٍ يَعْلَمُونَ لِقَوْمٍ يَتَفَكَّرُونَ لِقَوْمٍ يَسْمَعُونَ The people who are willing to listen, the people who are willing to think, the people who are willing to learn. Right? But when people approach the Qur'an with arrogance, and with uh, righteous indignation, when people approach the Qur'an with a sense of you know, a false confidence, then the Qur'an, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us, يُضِلُّ بِهِ كَثِيرًا وَيَهْدِي بِهِ كَثِيرًا The same Qur'an becomes a source of their misguidance. And I'm, I'm trying very hard not to completely go off the rails here. right? So I'm trying to resist the temptation of a tangent. All right? But... I, I feel compelled to say one thing. Because people have so much access to so much information. Notice I didn't say knowledge. People have so much access to so much information today that a lot of times we come across all kinds of things. Right? As the scholars of hadith would call it, Hatibul Layl, collecting firewood at night. That you don't really know what is good and what is not. You're just gathering and collecting, gathering and collecting. Right? Reading and looking and reading and clicking and browsing and you just don't know what's good or what's not. That some of the most extensive analysis of the Qur'an that has been done in the last you know, couple of hundred years was actually done by people who number one, were not Muslim. Number two, they explicitly stated that they did not believe in Allah. Number three, they explicitly stated that they did not believe in the Qur'an. They did not accept the divinity of the Qur'an. And number four, they were actually dedicated to opposing the Qur'an and Islam. And they've done so much analysis on the Qur'an. Which again, lends back to the point that I just made. And that is, you... I had one particular experience and I try not to share too much kind of personal experiences to keep the conversation more objective. The, I had the opportunity one time to sit with and have a conversation and discussion with a professor of the Arabic language. I was blessed to study with remarkable scholars abroad, overseas. This professor that I sat with he maybe was the greatest master of the Arabic language that I've ever met. He had such a grasp 
of the most deepest nuances and the most extensive understanding of the Arabic language that I've ever come across in my life. And while that is the case, he sat across from me and looked me in the eyes, plain, just straight-faced, and told me he doesn't believe in any of this. And he says, but I find the Qur'an fascinating. Linguistically, as a piece of literature, as a piece of history, as a historical document. And the man didn't believe in it. And yet we come across simple people all the time in the ummah who can't probably tra translate two words in the Qur'an, but they believe with all their heart. And the difference therein, as Allah tells us in the Qur'an is, وَيَهْدِي إِلَيْهِ مَنْ أَنَابْ وَيَهْدِي إِلَيْهِ مَنْ يُنِيبْ Allah guides the people who come with an open heart to Allah. When people will come to the Qur'an with an open mind and an open heart, willing to be enlightened, then a little bit of knowledge will go a long way. But if people come with arrogance and stubbornness, then they could read through the whole Qur'an, they could study and analyze every letter of the Qur'an and it will only deepen them in their ignorance. Their disease, the disease of the darkness of their heart will only increase. So with that being said, the ayah here in Surah Ibrahim, Allah says, Kitabun anzalnahu ilayka. Allah says to the Prophet that this book, we have revealed it to you, O Muhammad wasallam. This is something very important to remember. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said that He revealed the Qur'an to and through the Prophet Any attempts to go to the Qur'an while not acknowledging, while not accepting, while not respecting, while not you know, um, appreciating the Prophet will be in vain. It's pointless. It's misguidance. Because Allah said, we sent it to you, O Muhammad It comes through you. Secondly, Allah says, What is the role of the Qur'an? That you, O Muhammad will use this Qur'an to remove people from the layers of darkness that they are buried under, and you will bring them into the singular light of Iman. The Qur'an has always been the greatest tool for reformation and for correction. And there's nothing better. Allah says, بِإِذْنِ رَبِّهِمْ By the permission of your Lord. That you will only be able to guide those whom Allah allows you to guide. And this is another powerful reminder where one of the most beloved people to the Prophet ﷺ was Abu Talib, his uncle. And there was no one the Prophet ﷺ wanted to share this iman, this light with more than Abu Talib. But Abu Talib on his deathbed refused to accept the message. And the Prophet ﷺ was really saddened by this. He was very uh, upset by this. And Allah told the Prophet ﷺ, إِنَّكَ لَا تَهْدِي مَنْ أَحْبَبْتَ وَلَكِنَّ اللَّهِ يَهْدِي مَنْ يَشَادَ Oh beloved, you cannot guide whom you love, God guides whomever, whomsoever He wills. That this is in the hands of Allah. And then Allah says, إِلَى صِرَاطِ الْعَزِيزِ الْحَمِيدِ 
that you will bring, use this Quran to bring people from the darkness into the light by the permission of Allah to the straight path. And this is a reminder, like we just talked about, information changes to knowledge when it is compounded, when it is complemented with the light. Otherwise, if you have all the... This is why even in the Islamic sciences and Islamic studies, we have a field that we call fiqh. Usul and fiqh. Right? Which is Islamic legal theory. Islamic jurisprudence. The do's and don'ts. The technicalities. The how-to's. That in and of itself does not guarantee that somebody will have a quality spiritual experience. <coughs> but it needs to be complemented by spirituality. Tazkiyah and tarbiyah and tasfiyah. That it needs to be complemented by spirituality. The combination of both those things is what ensures the proper practice of Islam. So there can be the path laid out, just like if you go out onto a road somewhere, and there's no lights, you don't know where you're driving. You're going to drive off the road. You need the road, but you also need light to be able to drive on the road properly. So that's where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is reminding us that we need this light of iman, this nur from the Qur'an. And then Allah tells us that this is the path of Allah. And Allah describes Himself as Al-Aziz Al-Hamid. Al-Aziz means the Almighty, the Powerful, the Dominant. And Hamid means the Praiseworthy. That you see beauty in everything He does. But the scholars explain something, and I'll conclude with this, something very interesting and fascinating. They say that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala first mentioned Aziz. You first have to accept that Allah is in charge. You first have to humble yourself and submit yourself before Allah. We all want to see the beauty. We want to see the wisdom. We want to see the, the wisdom and understand the beauty in everything. But you have to submit before you can appreciate the beauty in Allah's decree. We keep saying, show me the beauty and then I'll decide whether this is worth submitting to or not. Right? Why should I pray? And it's an interesting conundrum because if you pray, then you'll know why you should pray. And I know that that sounds like kind of a, you know, kind of a riddle. It sounds like a bit of a catch-22 or uh, you know, a bit of a cop-out even. But it's the truth. Iman, faith, a relationship with Allah, a conversation with Allah is experiential. It's not something that you can sit from afar and just analyze. But you have to experience it. That's what Allah told the Prophet ﷺ to tell the believers. That's what the early Muslims experienced as well. They put their biases aside, they put their stubbornness aside, they put their ignorance aside, and they sat down and they said, let me hear the words of Allah. And then they experienced the beauty and the power. So this is how the relationship with Allah works. These are the terms of a relationship with Allah. Submit, just humble yourself for a moment, an instance. Not much, Allah doesn't ask much from us. If I just am willing to go and wash my face and my arms and wipe my head and wash my feet and come here and just stand and for two minutes and do ruku and sujood, my life will be changed. But if I keep standing there at the door, arguing, I need to understand I need to see how this makes sense. Why this makes sense. 
then the problem is that we'll still be standing at that door. But we have to be willing to humble ourselves. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us all the ability to practice everything we've said and heard. Subhanallah wa bihamdihi, subhanakallah wa bihamdik, nashadu an la ilaha illa anta, nasakhfirka wa natubu ilayk. Jazakumullah khairan, inshallah. Um, you know, as we've been announcing, inshallah, we have, of course, at this point, everyone's used to it, the nightly prayers, taraweeh, the khatira. Uh, after Salat al-Fajr, we have a lesson on hadith with Sheikh Mikail. Um, and then tomorrow, inshallah, being Yawm al-Jumu'ah, the day of Friday, uh, we'll also be having the Friday uh, prayers, uh, khutbah al-Jumu'ah, here, inshallah, Mufti Hussein Kamani. Uh, we'll be giving the Friday khutbah, inshallah. Uh, so we have the khutbah start at 2 p.m., so we invite everyone to come and join us, inshallah, bidnillah. And then tomorrow night, after Salat al-Taraweeh is over, around 11.30, 11.45 p.m., we have a late night tafsir session uh, with Sheikh Mikael Smith, where he'll be covering the ayat of Iman, the verses of faith and Iman, inshallah. Uh, so please uh, do come and join us. And I've you know, kind of held back from this uh, up until now. Uh, at the behest of you know everyone else here, uh, but very humbly, very respectfully, what I request from everyone online, here in person, is to inshallah, contribute, support the masjid, support Qalam, support the institution. Jazakumullah khairan. Barakallahu feekum. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.